were just singing about his coming hallelujah we've been learning so much from revelation and in sunday school how can you not give praise hallelujah thank you lord for all that you've done for us god amen
chapter 3, 23 says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. In verse 25, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Lord, we just want to say thank you today that we get this opportunity, this moment, to express our dependence on you, to search for you, to long for you, to want to know you in a deeper and a greater way. God, I thank you that you are good in every way. And we, uh, we just express our love to you today, Lord, uh, the fact that we worship you and honor you with our mouths, with our mind, with our everything today. Lord, we give you praise for this moment in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. It is so good to see each of you here today. Hope you've had a great week. And as I often say, this is a great way to start out your week. We're so glad that you're here. Let's take a few moments and greet each other today. God bless you. Well, again, good morning. Could you do me a favor? If you're, if you're, uh, even if you're, you're not a guest, someone here, uh, just people across the room, grab this Connect card. Even if you go to praise 20 years, I don't care. Grab a Connect card and wave it to me. Just grab one on the front, wave it up here. Yeah, okay. So if you're a guest here, you can put those back. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> um, but if you're a guest here today, if you could complete one of those, and at the conclusion of our worship service, bring it to our guest services desk out in the lobby. That would be super helpful. We would greatly appreciate it. Again, if you're a guest here, maybe it's your second or third time, you haven't filled one out. If you could do that, that would be just such a help to us because we would just love to, uh, to just thank you for being here. Um, but our ushers are coming, if you would. Um, they're always good to serve us every week faithfully. And we want to pray for um, our, our time of worship and giving now. Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for today and this opportunity to worship you in a very tangible way. And I pray that these gifts and these tithes and these offerings would, uh, again, go to build and further your kingdom here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. What a great song, huh? It is well with my soul. Uh, hey, if you have your bulletin, if you could uh, take that in your hand, because everybody knows hearing and reading at the same time, you just remember things 10 times as much. That's not scientific fact. I just made that up. So, hey, we have a few things going on here. Good morning, Kenny. Good to see you. Uh, we have a few things to make announcements concerning. Uh, praise young marrieds and young married families. We have a beach day coming up this coming Saturday the 17th. There's a number to RSVP and Alan. Let her know if you're coming so they can plan. Don't forget your beach chairs and everything you need to bring for yourself. All the info is there for you. Um, also, this coming Wednesday for powwow, rangers need to have your money and permission slip due this Wednesday. If you have any questions or you need any further information or whatever it might be, please see Dwight because that event is coming up. We're, we're, literally, for youth camp, we come back for youth camp. We like slap hands and I give you keys and it's like a 10-minute turnaround. And uh, so that's coming up very quickly. Uh, also, youth camp is happening. There's about 40 of us going to youth camp. And so please be praying for us. We're leaving a week from tomorrow. And so be praying for us as we head out. It's going to be an incredible week. We're really looking forward to that. Joy Group Luncheon, the 24th at noon. They always have a good time, always have a good turnout, always have great food. Please uh, make sure that you put that in your calendar for June 24th. And as we've been making announcements, volunteers for a variety of positions um, are, are in need for this year's VBS, which is the 26th to the 29th of Monday through Thursday. And let me just put a plug in for this that way, in this way. If you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can do anything those days, you never know what Lucy needs ahead of time, and you never know what types of, of help she needs. So make sure that uh, if you have any interest to sign up and help out with VBS, go see Lucy because it's coming up quickly. Thank you. And again, a reminder about the uh, beach event this coming weekend, Saturday. Be sure to sign up. There's something on social media as well. Go ahead and RSVP as, as soon as you can so they can plan they need a plan for you if you're going to be there. They need to plan enough food. And then next Sunday, as you know, is Father's Day, and we have a very special gift once again for the dads, uh, something enjoyable, something tasty. You know what it is, right? Meat sticks. Once a year, you get to eat some really bad, well, it's good tasting meat, but bad for you, so we don't mind. Um, but in a moment, this morning, we're going to be announcing this year's Man of the Year, and I began this tradition on my first Father's Day as pastor of this church. And this year, we're going to be recognizing this year's Man of the Year. And as you know, every year we select a man based upon his unique contributions to this church, his service to God and to God's people. These are godly, faithful men who are active in the church, whose walk with God is exemplary over an extended period of time. <clears throat> and before we... Um, go any further, I want to read to you the list of past recipients. And every year, of course, it gets longer. But in 1999, our man of the year was Ray Adlesic. In the year 2000, Tom Carnell. 2001, Jim Leslie. 2002, Charlie Allen. 2003, Dwight Walters. 2004 was Pete Mullins. 2005, Ed Powell. 2006, Artis Williams. 2007, Richard Taylor. 2008 was Steve Steffel. 2009, Ralph Thomas. 
2010, Robert Boyer. 2011, Terry Williams. 2012, Jim Rowan. 2013, Felix Battle. 2014, Gary Coleman. 2015, Frank Broom. 2016 was Doug Ravel. 2017 was Rusty Schuler. 2018 was Chuck Parsons. 2019, Rutimi Ojo. 2020, no one. We hadn't had church in a while, and there just wasn't any way that I was going to celebrate that with masks on our face. It wouldn't be any fun, so we skipped it. 2021, Aaron Vafakis, and 2022, last year, was John Fonto. And now, finally, I want to bring our focus to this year's Man of the Year, and I want you to know that we're doing something that we've never done before this year. Doing something we've never done before. We're honoring two men this year. And we didn't want to wait. We didn't want to recognize one man this year and wait a whole year for the other one. We felt that both of these men had waited a long time as I went through that long list of names. And both of these men are committed. And they are faithful. They're involved in ministry in this church, obviously. And much of it, or maybe I should say all of it, behind the scenes. That's why we like to feature this man, these men of the year each year. Because you don't even notice what most of them do. They both have a real willingness to serve others and to serve them well and with little notice. And so uh, our Men of the Year for 2023 will be announced by our men's uh, director, Frank Broom. Frank, would you come? I saw you. Oh, there he is on this side of the church this morning. Come on up, and together we'll recognize these men. Thank you. No, we just need to hear you. Thank you. So. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this, man, this year's manly man of worship, well, I'll speak of one first. Uh, he worshiped and served well here at Praise long before I got here. And I, you know, we really thank God for him. Um, he's been involved in teaching Sunday school classes for many years. This was long before we, uh, we changed to life groups. He's also been instrumental in tracking and putting together financial reports. Said that as a church and as a community, we can all see and know what is going on financially and how our money is being invested. It's not just being spent, but it's invested in missions here and around the world. He also put his money where his mouth is in that he, does, he doesn't just talk about missions or talk about these things. He and his wife are huge contributors to missions here and around the world. And uh, this year's man of the year is Howard Heckman. Howard, come on up. Come on down. Yeah, I was thinking about Howard He's been serving, teaching life group for the adults for about two decades. Have you guys actually counted years, anybody? But I know Dean Davis had originally taught that class, and then Dean moved away, and Howard took it over faithfully week after week after week. Um, I have a, Am I on? I'm on, yeah. Um, you, we're going to need that from you. Yeah, I'm just so. thinking you probably need two. <laughs> Stereo. But Howard, thank you so much for serving the way that you have.
So I'm going to get on this side. We want to get a photo. Dwight, I got, I got my photographer right there. Let me know when we look good. Now you're still waiting? <laughs> Howard, thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. It's our pleasure to honor you this way. Thank you. Yep. Did you want to say anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> good. Um, we'll talk about Larry. Um, no. Um, what did I want to say? Oh, do you want to say anything? He stopped saying things at annual business meetings about four years ago. Because, um, you know, nobody enjoys public speaking per se, and especially crunching numbers. You have to be a very unique individual to want to talk about numbers. So we just make that part of our treasurer's report. Uh, but, Howard, again, thank you for your service. And our other, now this, this happened to the women last month, right? They had woman of the year, and she didn't show. Well, our man of the year is on a cruise ship in Alaska. <laughs> our other man of the year, I should say. And um, unfortunately, he, he'll be on that cruise ship. Well, next Saturday, he gets off the cruise ship, but then he's got a red eye. He leaves Seattle at 10 p.m., gets into Baltimore about church time. So he won't be here next Sunday. So we're going to recognize him on the 25th, but we can let them know, and his wife knows and I'm just hoping he doesn't watch the service online afterwards. Maybe we just talk about him and don't mention his name. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to save it for two? What Should we say think? who it is? You really want to know? No, frankly, I'm not. I'm not. Look, we can take a special offering. If you really want to know, what's it worth to you? For missions. So... Um, I, I think we should tell them. And, okay. and, and then again, we'll have, the, we'll have the certificate ready for the 25th. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Can't believe This is a guy who you'd never get on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. And you talk about timing. Mm. You know, there's no way he'd go on a cruise ship. And he's on a cruise ship. All right. And so this year's manly man <laughs> has been involved with Praise Assembly for quite a long time as well. Uh, Sunday school, he's been involved in life groups. Um, men's fellowship, as far back as I can remember, he's been here supplying the church with his talents, with his gifts, you know, maybe with his support. Uh, we do appreciate him. Uh, whenever we call on him for assistance, he's, he makes himself available. And this, these are the type of men that we, we look forward to and we, we try to encourage. This is the type of attitude and type of uh, thing that we try to encourage in our men, the willingness to uh, step up to the plate whenever they're called on. He doesn't hesitate to bring his equipment <laughs> <laughs> on work days to help beautify the church's surroundings. Uh, how many of you drive into a church, into the church parking lot to see the property all spruced up for uh, spring? He's one of those guys who helped to make that happen. And sometimes we really don't think about it, but there are a lot of guys and gals sometimes who gets involved in sprucing up the church because we want to look, we want the church to look nice, mm -hmm. not only on the inside, but also on the outside. And he has played a huge part in that role. Uh, he also is very much involved in the overall well-being of our men's group and our assembly, doing all he can to make it happen. And this second man of the year. Should we is, tell him? 
I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just torn, Frank. I don't. This second man of the year is Larry Moan. Yeah. He's not here, but let's give him a round. Okay. Thanks to Linda and uh, Nancy for helping these men get out here and do what they do for God's glory and for his honor. Thank yeah. you very much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Frank. <clears throat> and thank you, Frank, for your faithful service uh, with our men's group month after month, year after year. You have really done a great job. And we start up again, guys. Remember, we start up in September. Brand new series, you'll love it, called No More Excuses by Tony Evans. And so it's the third Saturday morning of each month at 8 a.m. At this time, Steve Steffel is going to come, one of our deacons, uh, to make some presentations. Oops. All right, every year uh, we have the honor of honoring our pastors and uh, there's a couple verses I'd like to just read and think about a couple things in, in their uh, service to us. And the first one is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For we, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. And they truly um, show us that in their service and ministry to us. And Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then the Gentile. And in our culture, you know, the gospel does cut. It cuts against a lot of things in our culture, and, and they don't hesitate to preach the full word of God. And I, I'd like to invite all of them to come uh, Pastor Petrucci, Pastor Hans, Pastor Brandon. Uh, and I want them all up here for one reason. You know, it's really difficult when you serve people. You know, I, you, they, they, they say at work, you know, it, you wouldn't have any problems if there weren't any people. Of course, you never get anything done either. But you think about it, we, we have a huge amount of people that they serve. So there's, and, and, and they've kept, uh, Pastor Petrucci especially, a harmonious uh, body here. And I deal with a number of outposts across our district, and churches have gone through a lot of different things because, you know, there's divisions, there's different kind of things that happen. And even in their midst, they could have um, divisions and things that could affect the body. But they work together. They've kept harmony in the body. And we're blessed because of that. This church hasn't had you know, a major uprising or split or anything for 22, 23, four years. And, and I, you know, I just want to congratulate them for working together for our benefit. And, and you can see it because the church has really been blessed. And uh, it, you know, it shows in our giving and many other aspects, ministry at all age levels, just a tremendous job that they all do, working hard to serve us. So we want to give them thanks, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Hans, and Pastor Petrucci for leading and uh, guiding us. And we also want to recognize Pastor Walters for founding this uh, ministry. And um, I don't know, Dwight or someone, would you like to come 
pick that up and just thank your, your dad for founding Praise Assembly. So we, we just thank, thank them for their service. Are you done? I'm done. Yep, thank you. <laughs> thank you all. Pastor Hans. Thank you on behalf, you know, thank you for, to the board, if you would, for recognizing us. Traditionally, Pastor Appreciation Month used to be September. I believe President Ronald Reagan might have gotten, gotten that revived in our nation. It was also when he was president, we had a year of the Bible. Um, and then focus on the family, uh, kind of hijacked it, moved it to October. And many churches across the country have moved it to the month of June. And that's what we've followed as well. So thank you for recognizing us and honoring us. And it is our pleasure to serve. Uh, it is our call to serve. And I truly pray and hope that you find us to be pastors. Not, you know, many churches have, have followed a model where it's like much more a corporation with a CEO at the helm. You know, great administration, but no shepherding, no pastoring. And, uh, and I truly pray that we are doing our job serving you and ministering to you. Not just here in this pulpit, but even during the week as, as you have need. This morning, we're going to embark upon a journey. Uh, we're starting a new series this morning called Jesus Said. Jesus Said. And um, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you're going to especially love this series because we're going to focus primarily on what Jesus said. You know, we've, we've gone through other books of the Bible. We're going to focus on the Gospels. And by the way, how many of you know what a red letter edition of the Bible is? Or maybe I should ask, who, who doesn't know what a red letter edition of the Bible is? Raise your hand. You don't know. Uh, nobody wants to be embarrassed. Okay, really? Um, <laughs> it's a Bible where all the words of Jesus are printed in red. And you, can't, you can see that if you have a paper Bible. Now, I don't know if anyone knows, I haven't seen it in my tablet or on an iPhone app. Uh, the red letters of Jesus. If anybody has that app, let me know. Um, really simplifies things. And it's easy to see exactly what he is saying at any particular time. And you can clearly see it's Jesus speaking to us. And there are a few major themes that Jesus often repeated in the Gospels. And, and the one that, that we all most likely remember is that he had a lot to say about money and stewardship. In fact, if I were to ask you, what topic did Jesus preach about, share about, teach about most? Most people would say money because we've heard Larry Burkett say that, probably heard Dave Ramsey say that, and other money gurus. And he did speak a lot about it, but really it wasn't number one for him. In the Bible, it's very close to being number one, the entire Bible, Old Testament and New. But when we look specifically at what Jesus said, we find that the top three subjects that he constantly spoke about in order of prevalence are the kingdom of God. That's number one. He spoke about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Secondly was faith and salvation. And third was hell. And as I think about these three main themes this morning, I can easily see why I felt this leading that, that we should over the next few months, we should take a look at what Jesus said. If it was important to him, it needs to be important to us. And then truthfully reflecting on most modern day sermons that I have heard over the last three decades, most modern day sermons don't include any of those three topics. In fact, over the past few decades, we've heard 
thematic services, sermons on how to live a great life now on earth. That really is what we hear a lot about. How to have a good life now. Or even as one prominent uh, American pastor has a book out, maybe about 10 years now, maybe longer. How to have the best life now. Your best life now. It's kind of a Christian help theology, self-help theology. And, and yet when we consider these three themes that Jesus continually emphasized, we can see that he was more concerned about us gaining a great life after this life was over. That's what he really cared about. Again, Jesus in his teaching while on earth emphasized the kingdom of God, number one. Secondly, faith and salvation. And thirdly, hell. And so I'm 100% certain that we're going to touch on these broader themes as we look at what Jesus said. Let's pray before we get into the word itself. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for how clear it is that, Lord Jesus, you cared that we would know about the kingdom of God. That we would know about faith and salvation and that we'd also have an awareness of the reality of hell. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds, open our souls to receive everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, I want us to start out with Luke chapter 9. I, I could, Jesus said I could go anywhere, and I've, t- I've got a number of these messages that I'm working on, and Pastor Hans and Pastor Brandon are also going to bring some on this same theme. So we're going to be all over. We're not going to do this chronologically. We're going to be all over, and this is where I felt I wanted to begin. And this is Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. It says, As they were walking along the road, A man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, looking at just this, these several verses, I want you to notice, as, as we should expect, Jesus is referencing the kingdom of God. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God today. And twice in this passage, he mentions this major theme of his teachings, just as I previously mentioned to you. This is the topic that Jesus spoke of most often in the Gospels. And in these specific verses, he gives direct guidance concerning the kingdom. In verse 60, he says to go and proclaim the kingdom. In verse 62, he mentions that being involved in service is part of the kingdom. And I believe the key verse here today for us is verse 62. When Jesus says something that sounds a little harsh at first, but it's, it's actually a very fitting word of admonition, he says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I've got to admit to you, that verse, that verse hit me really hard when I was just a new Christian. There were, there were so many things that I learned in my very few, first few months and years of being a born-again believer. And they were all eye-opening. I mean, you know, I came out of such darkness. 
they were a real blessing. Most of them were a real blessing. I mean, my eyes were opened and it's like, wow, I can't believe this is God. This is the kingdom of God. This is how he does things. This is how God thinks about things. But this one really tore me up. This, this final verse really tore me up. And what made me so sad as a relatively new believer was to see people that I knew, that I thought I really knew, take their hand off the plow and walk away from the church and walk away from their Christian friends and presumably even walk away from the Lord. I don't mean to judge their hearts. You see, I just could not grasp how anyone could walk away from the Lord and everything that comes with that relationship. Amen? I mean, as most of you know, my life was a mess before I came to Christ. And so just like the parable that Jesus had taught in Matthew chapter 13, I grabbed whatever worthless pearls that I had accumulated in life and I traded them in for what Jesus called that pearl of great value that pearl of great price. I took what I thought was valuable, all that garbage, and I gave it to him, and he gave me the one thing in life that matters. And so to see people go the other direction really troubled me. And I've got to tell you, it was a real eye-opener for me to see people that I knew walk away from God and walk away from his church. And you know, in that process, I, I, I heard just about every excuse under the sun. I, a lot of these people, you can't even pursue them. They take off and there's just no way. They're going to avoid you. They're not going to return your calls. You can knock on their door and they'll hit the lights and lock the door and hide from you. There's just no way you're going to be able to confront them. But, but you know, some, some I did get to as a new Christian. I was really concerned, like, what happened? Where are you? And I heard just about every excuse possible for why people chose to leave the church and presumably the faith. And sometimes people would mention the reason they left church. You know, the, well, I got, I got hurt by so-and-so. They got hurt in church. And some people use that as an excuse. Uh, they'll tell you, they'll tell you right up front, I love God. I love Jesus, but I just don't need and I don't like the church. And you probably heard that too. And I want to address that with two very simple thoughts, two different paths of reasoning. First, if you have ever been hurt in church or by another church person? How about admitting that you've probably also been hurt at work by a fellow employee or a boss? Hello. Maybe you've been hurt at school or your bowling league. Is there, do they have those? Or how about even your own family? You see, part of being a human being includes the risk of being offended, being wounded. You'll have to leave this planet. And I'm not talking about the rapture. You're going to have to leave this planet in order to avoid being hurt in some way. Amen? That's part of life. If you have never been hurt, I want you to stand up. No. If you have never been hurt, then you know what? You've never dated. You have never been dumped by anyone. Seriously. And secondly, to say that you love God but don't love the church or don't like the church, you know that's offensive to God? Jesus gave his life for the church. 
Don't you dare look at it any other way. He gave his life for the church. Every one of us are members of the church. Corporately, we are the ecclesia. Just preached that not long ago. We are the body of Christ. And we're also in scripture referred to as the bride of Christ. And although I can't speak for Jesus on this one, but if, if, I'll tell you this. If you've got a problem with your, my bride, you've got a problem with me. So if you don't like the church, then guess what? You have. You've offended God. Because he died. Jesus Christ died for every one of us. Not just a local individual church, but the church worldwide. And yet, you know what? I think it's safe to say that we all know someone who's drifted away. And they each have their own alibi, don't they? they? They each have their own unique excuse. And it usually centers around someone else not meeting their expectations. Now, I, I saw something recently on social media. and I, Can you put the graphic up? I really like this. I'm going to use it this morning. Yeah, I love this one. I saw this on social media. And along with this, it said, Today's Christian likes to imagine that the church is a cruise ship. When in reality, we're meant to be a battleship. You see, on a cruise ship, you can get perturbed when your meal doesn't arrive on time. Or maybe the pools or the hot tubs are too overcrowded. Or maybe the attendants are not being as attentive as you'd like them to be. Right? You get a little attitude because you paid for this and you're not getting what you... On a battleship, it's all hands on deck. Everyone at their stations. This is, this is about battle and survival, and victory. Do you know there are no pools or hot tubs on a battleship? Can you see how having the proper mentality is necessary to being a Christian? We're We're not saved to sit. We are saved to serve. And Jesus used an agricultural analogy here in this passage that we looked at this morning. We are called to plow, we're called to sow seed, and eventually to take part in a harvest. And of course, Jesus, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Which means that when we plow and when we sow, we do it for him, we do it for his glory. And Jesus spoke very directly about the dangers of taking our hands off the plow. He made it clear that we are called for a purpose. We're called to expand his kingdom. We're called to prepare a harvest. And notice the reason why he said what he said in this passage. He was responding to a man who spoke to him and told him, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go, no matter what. And in fact, we read about three men in that passage who all express the same commitment. And again, this is what we're told. Three men, one man at a time. We don't even know who they were, but they all essentially said the same thing. I will follow you wherever you go. And based upon the other verses, specifically what Jesus had said, I sense some doubt in Jesus' voice. And I say this because he implies the possibility of failure. As each man expresses their commitment, he responds with some doubt as to that level of commitment. Please understand, Jesus did not affirm these men. Not at all. But instead, he warns them and us that we need to be diligent all the way to the end. If we're going to follow him, we don't just follow him for a couple streets. We follow him to the end. 
In fact, in Mark chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said very simply, He who endures to the end will be saved. He who endures to the end will be saved. The Christian life is a marathon, folks. It's not a sprint. He who endures to the end will be saved. Keeping your hand to the plow is enduring. Being faithful, being committed is a trait of the kingdom of God. And I'll forever remember a quotation I came across as a young preacher and pastor. I'm so glad I saw this. It's helped me to persevere more times than I can count. It was by a theologian, pastor, commentator by the name of Vance Havner. And this is what he said. This is, it's unbelievable. To, to a 20-something-year-old pastor, this meant a lot to me. And it is biblical. He said, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. Any one of us could have written that. But boy, when I saw that in print, I've held on to it for 45 years. And I, prob- I did. I probably read that at the start of my pastoral ministry. You know, but, but even if Havner had never put it into words, I know I would have seen it in Scripture eventually. Because that's his source. You see, we often find the Apostle Paul speaking the very same way. To the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul wrote this. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. And by the way, I chose this version, New International Version, instead of King James. Because in King James says, no, I, I buffet my body. And some of you might think that meant buffet your body. You know, you'll do that after service, but I like this. This is clear. He says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, listen to this, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You see, Paul knew that endurance was a a required necessary attribute for every Christian. And he didn't want to just preach about it. He didn't want to just write about it to the Corinthian Christians. He was actually concerned about endurance in his own life. I mean, he was concerned that after encouraging others, and if you read the epistles, he's always encouraging them to run the race, run the race, finish the race. He was concerned that he might spend his whole life encouraging others, personally and in letters, and that he might someday slip up and become disqualified. The Apostle Paul. Paul also wrote Timothy and urged him to faithfully run the race to, what, to which he was called. And, and we also have the letter to the Hebrews, which says this in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That means getting across the finish line. You see, for for whatever reason, not everyone finishes. I hate to even say that. Again, I've lost good friends over the years who have simply, out of the blue, seemingly for no reason at all, just walked away. Walked away from all their Christian friends. Walked away from the church they were going to. Possibly walked away from God. But for some reason, not everyone finishes or finishes well. And, and, but Jesus did. I remember Jesus did. He did 
tell the parable of the seed. How some seed fell along the path and was eaten by birds. Some fell on rocky soil and it dried up. And still some was smothered out by weeds. While only some of the seed bore a great harvest. Bible history also tells us that some of the early church leaders. This is right in your Bible. Some of the early church leaders, even those who worked alongside of Paul, failed to remain faithful over the years. One fellow worker alongside of Paul by the name of Demas. Paul labels him as someone who loved the world more than godly things. Demas. One of the first deacons mentioned in the book of Acts, the sixth chapter, Nicholas of Antioch, eventually became the leader of a perverted theology His teaching was followed by a group called the Nicolaitans. And we read that when we covered the churches in the book of Revelation. You think that we're all aware that we're called to live our life intentionally. To be diligent in our Christian walk. So that we, as Paul put it, would not be disqualified for the prize. And this isn't isn't a teaching that's unique to the Apostle Paul. As we can realize this morning, Jesus was the first one to teach this. That there's the possibility of taking our hand off the plow. We need to keep our hand on the plow. We need to be careful not to turn back. Listen to this warning from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. We must pay closer attention, therefore, to what we have heard. So that we do not drift away. So that we do not drift away. It's possible. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every transgression and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We need to be careful to not drift away. We need to see things to the end. Again, he who endures to the end will be saved. And you know, Jesus lived that out before all the world, didn't he? I mean, listen to the final words of Jesus. John 19, verse 30, final words in the gospel. The last words that are in red, in your red letter edition of the Bible. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. He endured until the end. He was faithful until the end for the sake of our salvation. And please understand, just days before he died, you know, we can read in scripture how he prayed to the father and he asked, he said, Father, if it be possible, can we circumvent the inevitable? Father, if there be any way, if there be any way, can you remove this cup? And it says in Luke 22, verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he told them, pray that you will not enter into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He wanted to be alone where he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, if it's possible according to your will, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. He endured. He understood endurance. Look at his resolve. It was a resolve to be obedient to the Father, to fulfill his purpose as Messiah. He prayed and he asked the Father. He told the Father, yet not my will, but thine be done. And so the question for us this morning is, you know, What does God want? What does he want us to do? Is there something that you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom 
that you're not doing? Has God been speaking to you about a certain point of obedience and he's waiting for you to take action? I mean, this should be our prayer today. Not my will, but thine be done. We've been called to put our hand to the plow and not turn back. We need to do whatever we can to be sure that we're not disqualified or drift away. That's what the word has told us so far this morning. And I tell you, it can be as simple as church attendance. I mean, you probably heard it said, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. Okay, they got it, this side. Somebody put the air conditioning on this side. No, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. And folks, I've been pastoring for almost 45 years now, 25 years here as your pastor come September. And I'm, I'm so tired of seeing Christians take their faith walk casually. Jesus endured. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy of knowing that he'd be bringing salvation to mankind, he endured the shame and the ridicule and the pain and the suffering and death of crucifixion. And today he's our Savior. And he needs to be our Lord. We owe him our allegiance. Another quotation by Vance Havner, and then I'll close. Listen to this one carefully. Havner once said, Jesus Christ demands more complete allegiance than any dictator who ever lived. Jesus Christ demands more complete allegiance than any dictator who ever lived. The difference is, he has a right to it. Amen. He has a right to it. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. How are you going to finish? Let's pray. Heather, would you come to the keyboards, please? I want us to make sure that we take time this morning just to recommit ourselves to Jesus. I don't know that any of you have been wavering lately, and that's really not an issue, but we can always recommit ourselves every day, if not weekly, and just say, Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to please you. Lord, I want your will to be number one in my life. That's a, that's a great place to be. And even before we do that this morning, recommit. Is there someone here this morning, maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never given your, yourself to Jesus and said, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need you to come into my life. I, I want you to be my Savior. I need a Savior, and I want you to be my Lord possible that you're maybe a first-time guest here this morning. And I, I just need to ask you, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around except me. Is there someone here this morning, you don't, you have not asked and prayed for Jesus to come into your heart, come into your life. You haven't yet committed your heart to him. He, he wants that. He wants that because he wants you to live with him forever. And the only way to heaven, according to Jesus, says no man comes to the Father but through me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus, and you have to know him as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't this morning, but you're willing to ask him to come into your heart, would you raise your hand where you're seated right now? This is a first-time commitment, because in a moment, I'm going to open this altar area, and you can come up and recommit. But is there anyone here? First, you, know, you need to commit your life to him, and you know that. Just raise your hand quickly. And I'd like all of us to stand this morning. And let's find a place of prayer this morning. We don't have to labor over this, but just a formal act of commitment. 
Lord, I belong to you. Just go ahead and find your way to this altar. Just go ahead and move out from where you're seated. Let's just spend a, a few moments in prayer this morning before we leave. He who endures to the end will be saved. We can say, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. God, I'll, wherever you go, I'm going to go. But we don't want Jesus to have that attitude where he's, yeah, okay. You say that, but will you really? Anyone who takes his hand off the plow and walks away is not fit for the kingdom of God. Lord, how I pray that you would help us to be cognizant each and every day to watch out for that very subtle, deceptive drift where the things of this world become more important like Demas in the epistles. Cited for loving the world more than the things of God. Lord, how I pray that we would, God, that we would be close to you, that we'd know your will, that we'd be faithful to you, be sensitive to your leading and your presence. Hallelujah, God. We want your will in our life, Lord. God, I know there have been times when we prayed too. Lord, please take this cup. Please get me through this issue. Get me through this situation. Get me through this circumstance. But even in the midst of those kinds of ordeals, Lord, we need to look to you and say, Lord, I want your will to be done. And so, Lord, we recommit ourselves to you today. We recommit ourselves to you. Lord, help us to be obedient to your will. To be aware of what your purpose is in our lives. And to be obedient. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Love you, God. We just give you the praise, Lord. We give you praise because you are worthy. You are so good to us. Hallelujah, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for coming into this world, for dying for our sins. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for raising your son from the dead. The power of God that raised him from the dead, and that that same power is in us, and that promise is in us that someday we too shall live forever. Lord, how I pray, God, too, as we, before we leave this place, that we be aware of those who may have drifted away. And Lord, should we come in contact, should we cross paths with them in the next few weeks, Lord? I pray, God, that we'd encourage them to get back on track. Lord, use us, God to reach those who may have drifted. And Father, now I pray your blessing in each one of our lives. Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I pray your blessing in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you.